You are listening to the Strength of Teachers podcast, episode one, Create Your Life on Purpose. Welcome to the Strength of Teachers podcast. Together, we work to strengthen teachers from the inside out. My name is Brenna Nelson. I am a longtime classroom teacher turned certified life coach. Join me here each week for practical applications and real-life solutions to the unique challenges of being a classroom teacher in today's world. Whether you are just beginning your teaching career or you have been in the classroom for 30 years, you have untapped strength within you. I can't wait to help you discover just how strong you are. You are capable of creating the exact life you want in and out of the classroom. I am here to help. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Strength of Teachers podcast. I am so excited that you're here. This podcast idea has been something that I've wanted to do for a while now. So I'm really excited to put this out into the world, and hopefully the goal is to help one of my favorite groups of people in the whole world, teachers. I suppose I should introduce myself. My name is Brenna Nelson. I am a former middle school language arts teacher turned certified life coach. And now I get to work in this capacity to help teachers create the exact life they want in and out of the classroom. This whole concept of life coaching hasn't always been on my radar, to tell you the truth. I first heard about life coaching when a friend recommended a podcast to me. This was years ago. I had really little kids at the time. My oldest was three, my youngest was one, and I was pregnant with my third. And I was struggling to juggle all the things, career goals, personal goals, relationships, trying to figure out how to be a mother. Everything just felt really heavy to me. So my friend one day said, hey, you have to go listen to this podcast. It might help you. So I did. And I was blown away by what I learned on that podcast. It completely changed the way that I viewed myself and my roles and those around me and, and the world. And I loved it. So fast forward a few years. And this is now the very beginning of 2020, pre-pandemic. And this life coach that I had been listening to was opening up her coaching program That month, they were focusing on how to help your kids. And I thought, that sounded good. My kids were older and experiencing new challenges that I hadn't figured out how to manage. So I figured, why not? And I wasn't expecting too much, to be honest with you. I had listened to coaching podcasts for years and figured I knew a lot about what life coaches teach. I was absolutely not prepared for what happened when I joined. So the podcast, which was incredibly helpful, focused on the theoretical side of emotional and mental wellness, but the coaching, like the actual application of the principles, was exponentially transformative. I was, again, blown away by the power of coaching, and from that moment, I was obsessed. I was a huge believer in this work, and I wanted to share what I was learning in this program with everyone around me. My husband, my mom, my friends, my kids, my teacher friends. You know, like when you try a new restaurant or something that you love, and you just feel like you have to tell everyone to go out and try it. That was me, but with coaching. 
So then what happened? Pandemic hit, right? And we all know the many unforeseen challenges that came with that. And I think it was especially challenging for teachers, as you know. And during that challenging time, I was so grateful for the tools and the knowledge that I had gained from being in this coaching program. And as the challenges persisted, and I continued to watch so many people in the educational world struggle, I kept thinking, oh, if we all just had life coaches, we could tackle these challenges so much better. And I wondered, why doesn't every school have a certified life coach on staff to help their teachers? Eventually, after these thoughts had been rolling around in my mind for a long time, it occurred to me that I could be the one to do that. I love this work and I love teachers. Why not me? So I did it. I enrolled in the coach certification program at the Life Coach School, which in my opinion is the absolute best one out there. It was founded by Brooke Castillo, who has worked really hard to make it the premier school for coaches. So after several months of learning and coaching, I got certified and I now get to help teachers and I feel so privileged to be in this position. One of the ways I want to help in addition to my coaching programs is this podcast. And I, so in this space, I really just want to share some ideas and principles that I think will help teachers. And I have so many ideas. I have a list on my phone with hundreds of topics and I'm adding to it every week, if not every day, as I think about how to help you, how to help teachers. So it was a bit of a challenge trying to pick a topic for this initial episode. But what I finally landed on was an idea that was novel to me before I became familiar with coaching. That idea is that we humans are always the creator of our own experience. And I'll explain what I mean by that. First, our brains are amazing, truly incredible. And our brains are always working. They're always creating our experience, even if we aren't aware of it. The average human brain thinks over 60,000 thoughts a day. Most of those thoughts, in fact, 95% or so of those thoughts are unconscious. When we think a thought repeatedly, those neural pathways get increasingly stronger until they kind of become almost automatic if we let them. So think about those early elementary school students who are learning to tie their shoes. My seven-year-old is learning to tie shoes right now. And if you watch him, you can see his concentration. You can see that his brain is working in overdrive to get his little chubby fingers to do all the right things at the right time. It's an arduous process for a beginner when they haven't built up those neural pathways yet. But for someone who has been tying shoes for decades, like many of us adults, we probably don't even think about it. We just tie our shoes. That neural pathway is really strong. It's automatic. Same thing with learning how to drive a car. At first, you have to intentionally think through every step. After a lot of practice, you can drive pretty automatically. You don't really have to think a lot about driving from home to work or school or whatever. So this is true not only with tasks like shoe tying or driving cars, but also the way we think about ourselves, the world, the people around us, our careers, our lives, everything. So those thoughts, conscious or otherwise, if we have been thinking them for a long time, they are really strong. In fact, they don't even seem like thoughts. They seem like facts. They seem like the truth. But they are in fact just thoughts and all thoughts are optional. This is how our brain is always creating our experience. Those neural pathways are always firing, whether we know it or not. 
And I don't mean to imply that this is a bad thing. This works really well for us humans most of the time. Can you imagine if every task you tried to complete was as difficult as a young child trying to tie his shoes for the first time? We wouldn't like that very much. We likely wouldn't get much done. So it's not usually a bad thing to have our human brain work the way that it does. Where our brain does often get us into trouble is when it defaults to the negative, which it does often. There is a part of our brain that is designed to protect us. And this part of our brain tries to keep us safe by always being on the lookout for what could go wrong. It is constantly scanning to find the problems or potential problems. Again, this is not always a bad thing. It helps to keep us safe. We don't wanna put ourselves in a position where we are in real physical danger. But this part of our brain can have us focusing on the negative to a point where it becomes problematic. Most of us are not usually in physical danger. Most of the time we are physically safe. But in the absence of real danger, our brains point out what is wrong with ourselves or our lives or those around us. And our bodies respond the same way as if we were in immediate physical danger. Why does this happen? Because our thoughts create our emotions. Negative thoughts will always create negative emotions. Most of us don't like to feel negative emotions and we don't want to have to feel them when it's not necessary. So it's just helpful to be aware of what our brain is doing so we can override that negative default when nothing has actually gone wrong. Instead, we can think and create intentionally. We do this with the higher part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex. We have to be really intentional in order to bring this part of our brain online. Otherwise, we will mostly just operate in autopilot. Let me illustrate how our thinking creates our experience for you by asking you to think about the last fire drill you had at school. What was that like? Of course, we will all think something different, but my default brain offers me thoughts that sound something like this. The fire drill was awful. We were in the middle of a big group project that I really wanted my students to finish and they didn't. It was freezing outside, the kids were wild and incredibly disruptive afterwards and just wouldn't come down. The fire drill totally threw off our entire day. Now for me, when I think thoughts like these, I feel the emotions of anxiety or frustration or resentment uh, when I think these thoughts, even a little panic sometimes. Now, if we look at this, most of us would think that we are just observing the world. We think we are relating the facts, but we aren't. The only fact in there actually was that we had a fire drill while the kids were doing a group project. All the rest are just my thoughts, my interpretation of the facts. Let me define what I mean by a fact before we go any further. A fact is something that is provable, something upon which everyone in the world would agree, something we could prove in a court of law. So in that example, to say that it was freezing outside is a thought. If I had said it's 42 degrees Fahrenheit outside, that would be a fact. We could prove that. But whether that's freezing or warm is an interpretation of the fact. The other important thing to know about facts is that they are always neutral, one of my coaches always says that facts are really boring. Facts are neutral until we have a thought about it. And it is our thought that creates the meaning. It is our thought that makes it good or bad or, or whatever. Similarly, saying that the kids were wild and disruptive is a thought. 
even if many teachers would agree with me, my idea of wild or disruptive might be really different from the teacher down the hall. Maybe another teacher has a much higher tolerance for certain student behaviors, right? And the opposite is also true, right? Another teacher could come into my classroom and view what I think is just normal student behavior and think that my students are absolutely out of control. It all depends on the way we think about it. If we wanted to get facts about our students' behavior, we could have someone document everything a child does or doesn't do. For example, George threw six paper airplanes yesterday, and he spoke without the teacher calling on him 17 times, and he got out of his chair without permission seven times. I don't know. Uh, those could be facts by themselves, and those facts by themselves are neutral. It is how we interpret them as good or bad that creates the meaning. Why is this a problem for us? Because negative thoughts create negative emotions. And our emotions are what will then be driving and fueling the ways we show up or don't show up in our lives. When we're fueled by a negative emotion, we show up a lot differently than when we are fueled with a more positive or at least a neutral emotion. And the way that we show up, those actions or inactions, those are what create our results every time. Whether we know it or not, this is what is always happening in our lives. So if we wanted to change our experience of the fire drill, we could choose to think differently about it. I'm not saying you should think about fire drills like this. I'm just showing you some alternative thoughts that a teacher could try on. For example, I thought we were going to be doing a group activity today. I guess I was wrong about that. We are doing fire drill today. I wanted to do that activity today, but I guess we can try it tomorrow. It does disrupt what I had planned, but we can shift some things or drop them altogether. The kids were really talkative today. Maybe it was scary for them to have a sudden fire drill. It might have been really challenging for them to refocus after going outside unexpectedly. Must have been tough for them too. Even though the fire drill was disruptive, at least we all now know what to do in case of an emergency. I'd hate for anyone to get injured in a school fire, even if the practice is annoying. These thoughts create emotions in me that are more like disappointment or acceptance. Notice that in none of these thoughts was I thinking, yay, fire drills, I love fire drills. That to me feels like toxic positivity, which is not at all what I am suggesting we do. We don't always want to think positively about our circumstances, and that's normal and okay. So while maybe some teachers do genuinely get excited about a fire drill, I have never thought about a fire drill that way. And if I tried to, it would not be believable to me. Some of the other thoughts that I just offered sort of neutralized it a little for me. Those thoughts take some of the drama out of the fire drill. It would have been really challenging for me to teach well with the emotions of anger or frustration or panic driving me. But from the emotion of disappointment or acceptance, I can continue on with my day without feeling like the entire world is falling apart. And from that emotional space, I can see that it was unfortunate. I wouldn't have chosen it. I didn't like it, but there is still a way forward. It changes the experience for me. I don't have to spin in frustration or anger and despondency if I choose to think about it differently. Again, I'm not saying you should think about it this way. I'm just trying to show you how what we think creates our experience. And this is not to say that there aren't real challenges. This is not gaslighting. I'm not trying to tell you that you are imagining your struggles. And I know that most of us have challenges that may feel more difficult than the example that I'm using. I realize that. 
But what I am saying is that if we are going to handle those difficulties, whatever they are, in a way that will best serve us, it all starts with our thinking. So how do we do this in real time? How do we bring our prefrontal cortex online and stop always defaulting to the negative? I will say that it does take practice and it takes time to train our brains to think a little bit differently. The first step to changing the way we are thinking about a circumstance is simply awareness. Most people just aren't aware of their brains and their thoughts, and that's okay. It's not something we are usually taught in schools, and it's not necessarily any better to be aware. It's just different. But as we start to notice in little moments what thoughts our brain is offering us, we can start to get some leverage over them. Leverage meaning we can start to make changes. But awareness is always the first step to making changes in our lives. The next step is to take ownership of our thinking. Sometimes when people hear this for the first time, they mistakenly think that I am blaming them for their thoughts and therefore their negative results or negative situation. And that's not it at all. You always have good reasons for thinking the way you do. So don't start judging yourself for it. That is not helpful. But we do want to take responsibility. We want to recognize that we are creating our experience with our thoughts. And this is not a bad thing. In fact, it's the best news ever. If you are responsible for your own thinking and by extension, your own results, you have the power to change if you want to. If the problem is the world, you'd have to change the world in order to feel better. If the problem is the educational system, you'd have to change the educational system in order to feel better. If it's other people and their words and their behaviors, you would have to learn how to control other people. Trying to do any of those things feels really scary and heavy and frustrating. And because so much of it is impossible, it's out of our control, We are putting ourselves in a completely powerless position. We would be at the mercy of our circumstances, and that doesn't feel good. We can't always control or change our circumstances. If we can change something for the better, great, I'm all in. But some things are out of our control. What we can always control is our thinking and ultimately our experience. This kind of thinking empowers us. And from a position of empowerment, we can create what we want. I promise that this is available to you. So try it out. Notice your brain working and see if you can create your own experience on purpose. If you are ready to start taking control of your thoughts and your results, or if you're just kind of curious and want to try out coaching, you are in luck for for a limited time, I am offering free coaching. Yes, your first session is on me. So head on over to brennanelsoncoaching.com slash free where you can sign up for a free coaching session with me. I'll be sure to leave a link in the show notes, but that was brennanelsoncoaching.com slash free, B-R-E-N-N-A-N-E-L-S-O-N, coaching.com slash free. Head on over, sign up for your free session, and I will see you there. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Strength of Teachers podcast. If you are a teacher looking for more help you will find additional free resources over at brennanelsoncoaching.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-A-N-E-L-S-O-N coaching.com. See you there.